Thank y'all for your singing. Sounds like a broken record. But you know what? I really do appreciate the participation that we have in our singing on Sunday morning. It's a beautiful thing. Welcome to uh, School Spirit Sunday and uh, Teacher Appreciation, Sunday School Appreciation. We're going to kind of combine all of those things all in one theme and all in one uh, uh, great big celebration today. And um, you don't start school without what, kids? What do you do first thing in the morning? Get out of bed. Morning work. What else do you do? Do your homework real quick. That's good, ain't it? <laughs> what else do you do right in the morning, right when you get to school? Get dressed. What do you do after you get to school? At school. What do you do? Joe, what do you do? Unpack your stuff. Yeah. Then the teacher gets over the announcements or somebody gets on the PA. What do you do, Ashley? Do your work? Yeah. What do you do before that? We say the Pledge of Allegiance, right? Yeah. We got a flag up today. Should we stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance? Oh, why not, huh? With, with one piece of information that I have to share with you. The United States of America is not going to save the world. You understand that, right? Jesus Christ is going to save the world. So I'm okay with you saying the Pledge of Allegiance in church. Make sure you accentuate under God when you say it. But let's say pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, liberty, and justice for all. Now we can start school, kids. What's that? Yep. <clears throat> I've got a short video that I want to share with you. Sorry, BJ. <laughs> Uh, that I want to share with you before we uh, get rolling here. Just kind of a, you, you may have seen, we may have even shown this video before, but I like this as a start. So let's watch this video real quick.
be the church. This morning, we want to do a little charging up. We want to, uh, we want to get charged up. We want to be ready for the rest of the week. I don't, most of you carry small devices in your pocket, in your purse, in your jacket, wherever. And that device typically needs a daily charge, right? And if you don't charge it, what happens to your day? It's quieter. It's quieter. <laughs> it is quieter. Uh, typically, what happens, if I don't charge my phone, I am a mess most of the day. Because I'm constantly trying to find places to charge it, to keep it going. It's just, it totally distracts me from, from doing typical day-to-day uh, jobs. So... I think that that Sunday morning service and hearing God's word and being with other believers and other Christians is like a charge up. It, it charges us up. It keeps us going. Moses' words to the people of Israel are words I want to share with you this morning to get us charged up. I know this sounds silly, but I want each of you to make the sound that your device makes when you plug in the power cable. Do you know that sound? Can you imagine it? Can you picture it in your mind? The little sound that it makes when you plug it in. It's a happy little sound, right? Isn't it a happy sound? It's like, hey, yay, I'm going to get charged. Right? Okay, so on the count of three, everybody's going to make the sound that their phone makes or their watch makes or their whatever makes when they plug it in, all right? On the count of three. One, and if you can't think of what it does, just make up a noise. (laughs) A happy noise, though. One, two, three. (laughs) Some, <laughs> somebody's was on vibrate. I heard it. It was. Just, it's a happy little sound. I'm ready. Charge me up. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter six, verse four through nine, is where we're going to read from this morning. But before we go there, let's look to God. Um, you know what? We're going to switch things up a bit. We stood to say the pledge of allegiance. Let's stand to read God's Word. Let's stand as we read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. You can't see it on your screen, on the screen up here. Actually, it's on the screen up here because I didn't put it on there. Look it up, find it in your Bible, find it on your charged device, hopefully. Uh, And let's read it together. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, and when you are on the road, and when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands, and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now let's look to God in prayer. God in heaven, we thank you so much for being our God, for our being our Lord alone. God, thank you for giving us your word and allowing us to participate in this great work that, we're, that we partake, partake in. God, thank you for getting us started and thank you for calling us to be your own. Thank you for the forgiveness that you've given. God, I thank you today, most of all, for those who are willing to teach and are willing to claim your promises and then teach those promises and teach those great concepts and ideas to the young ones. God, we need to raise up a generation and God help us to see the need to do that this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
Moses goes on to tell the people uh, that that when God blessed them, that they needed to be careful not to forget him in their prosperity, right? Typically what happens, we we get blessed by God and then we sort of forget that he exists. We forget that he is doing what he always does. This is a problem that's not unique to the Israelite people. It seems no matter who we are or when, when the situation is or where these people are, when God blesses, we often forget. How could they guard against forgetting the Lord and raising up a generation of people who wouldn't know the Lord? God gives them the answer through Moses. How can we not forget and raise up a generation that won't forget? Number one, we need to make God a priority. You can teach what you know. And on the flip side of that, you can't teach what you don't know. You can't pass down what you don't have. And it's absolute necessity that you have and maintain a personal relationship with God. Verse 5 there, Deuteronomy 6, and it says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Who is God to you? We're not talking about church or religion. We're talking about you and your God. Is there evidence in your life that supports what you say about your love for God? Does he have first place in your thoughts and in your actions and in your choices? Does the Lord have first place in your business, in your home, in your marriage, and in your finances? With all your heart, soul, and might, with everything you've got, love the Lord. In order to raise up a generation, we've got to love the Lord. We've got to claim His promises. We've got to claim what it is that He's about. And we've got to claim it personally. Who is God to you? Second, we need to honor God's Word. And I believe honoring God's Word goes beyond just reading it. It goes beyond just coming to church and hearing it taught. It's a daily practice. It's something that we put into practice in order to be successful. Verse 6 in that Deuteronomy passage says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. God's commands, God's laws, God's things that He imparts to us, that He puts in place for us. It says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Another passage in Psalms chapter 119, one of my favorites today. Actually, it's always a favorite. Psalms 119, starting in verse 9, it says, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have, I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited, recited aloud all of the regulations you have given. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. God's word needs to be honored. It needs to be revered. I think those are awesome words. And, and it's funny because these, these words from a man of God who loves God, but also God obviously had that same estimation of him because he said that he was a man after God's own heart. Parents and all of you who are here today, let me challenge you to honor the word of God in your life. 
I want you to determine to be a lifelong student of the Word of God. You'll never exhaust its teachings. You'll never run out of stories. You never come to a place where you figured it all out. So study, study, study. God's Word is more than dry history. It's more than boring doctrine. It's much more than a few flannel graph kids' stories. I can't believe we don't have flannel graph up today. Unbelievable. This book contains the words of life. There's real power in the Word of God. God gives His Word this ability to be impactful. He sends the Holy Spirit among us, inside of us, so that when we read, God's Word penetrates. You'll never experience anything so exciting as what you'll discover if you'll just apply yourself in study to God's Word, to the contents of God's Word. I've never felt so alive as I do when I'm studying the Word of God. In that quiet moment of steady time, the Holy Spirit speaks words of truth into me. God's Word inspires, it motivates, it encourages me, it convicts me. It brings me to see the glory and greatness of an Almighty God. To raise up a generation, we must put God first place. We must make Him a priority. And we also must honor His Word, the Bible. And thirdly, we need to teach the Word of God to our children. Verse 7 through 9 there in Deuteronomy 6 says, Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on, the fore- on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We don't have any problems with wearing even though they can't put words together. Um, sporting equipment and things that, that broadcast what we're about. Branding of, of just about everything has come to the place in our world that is very commonplace. We've always got something on that has someone else's name on it. We're advertising for somebody. This word, this word says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Guys, we don't have any problem putting a hat on, do we? Plastered all over the front of it. John Deere. Yeehaw. What's a stupid tractor going to do for me? You know, I mean, seriously, think about it. The importance of that versus the importance of an almighty God and God's word being part of who we are. Parents, we need to make sure, and and, and everyone, we need to make sure that we are getting our children to realize that God's Word is important and it's something that we need to impart to them. The sense we get here from this passage is very similar to, to what they say in school these days. They say repetition is learning. It says repeat them again and again to your children. Don't stop talking about it. They're going to say, oh, Dad, we've heard this before. (laughs) Guess what? Deal with it. Because you're going to hear it again. King James Version uses the word diligently. We need to be serious about it. We need to be proactive about it. Take advantage of all of those teachable moments your kids give you. That's why he goes on to talk about when we're, we're walking and when we're sitting and when we're sleeping. About our posts and our gates. 
our hands and our eyes. God wants it all over the place. And especially when we're trying to help the kids understand it. Take advantage of every opportunity to teach it. God has given you parents the express responsibility of teaching your children the word of God. It is your job to teach them what the Bible says about the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Trinity, the Godhead, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Explain that to them. And when you get that explained, come explain it to me so that I can explain it. I have no idea how to explain that to kids. It's worth a try, though. They've got to understand it a little bit. We need to express to them the perfection in God's Word. We need to express to them what it is that the church is all about. How we serve. Love, humility, grace, kindness, and other virtues. The relevancy of the Bible in today's ethics, in today's politics, in today's relationships, and and everything else. Everything is a teachable moment. I don't care if it's a Trump political ad or if it's a a spearmint gum ad. It, It doesn't matter where you go. There's a way to express God's word and explain it to them in today's day and age. To raise up a generation, we have to put God first place. To honor His Word, God's Word, the Bible, and then to teach it to our children. I want to point out a couple of things. Bring your attention to a couple of things. First, it is absolutely imperative. It's absolutely important. The, the, the most supreme importance that our children learn the Word of God. It is important because the future of the home, the future of the church, the future of society as we know it depends on their knowing and living the Word of God. America's a great place, and I enjoy the flag, and I, I wear it with pride, and I do all. But that's, once again, not going to save the world. Jesus Christ is what saves the world. God's Word, His, 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 His precepts, His concepts, His ideas, that's what changes us and makes us what we ought to be for Him. If we lose even one generation, we've lost them all. So parents, remember that it's your job to ensure that they are taught. Second, I want to draw your attention to this. God has generously blessed our families in this generation with the gift of Sunday school. And in our church, with some wonderful Sunday school teachers, we get a lot accomplished in Sunday school. There's a lot of God's Word taught. They go through the Bible. and Rhonda and, and Mom, you guys can correct me. They go through the Bible three times or four times in their three times from the time they're in, in class to the time they go on to um, uh, high school, right? So they go on to, so they go through the Bible three times. It's important. Did you know that the idea of Sunday school is relatively new? Sunday school didn't always exist and, and until about the mid-1800s and even then with uh, some resistance. Why do you think people resisted Sunday school? Any ideas? People in those days believed very strongly in the authority of the Christian home and the parents' responsibility to teach their children for themselves. So they didn't want the church to infringe on that responsibility, which in and of itself, I I get it. I understand it. That makes sense. Because really, that's where it lies. It's the responsibility of each and every parent to impart God's will and God's, God's, God's words to their children. 
people in those days strongly believed that it was important for Christian families to teach to their children. But gradually, though, the idea of Sunday school was embraced and it spread rapidly through our country. It became one of the strongest and most important ministry of our churches. Now many people say Sunday school is a dying ministry that needs a decent burial. Greg, uh, George Barna, rather, says, says Sunday schools simply do not provide the quality of teaching and experience that, that people demand these days in exchange for their time. I don't disagree with the fact that people these days are looking for quality teaching. I want to learn in an environment that makes God's Word exciting. I don't want to just hear it lectured from, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Bueller? Bueller? Uh, uh, yeah, whatever that guy is. Yeah, Brad Stein. He's a great guy, but he's very dry. You know, doesn't doesn't uh, say it very easily to understand. It makes it difficult to pay attention. I can't stand for someone to approach this most fantastic book, the the book that's that's here to change the world and make it a better place, and treat it like they were reading the owner's manual to their coffee pot. How many of you have ever read the owner's manual to your coffee pot? Other than BJ. <laughs> not something you do right Paul Powell from Texas says it this way the real strength of our church is in its Sunday school it is a small class on an age group basis that discipleship takes place and a caring and sharing fellowship is established when church growth is built on the strength of a preacher's personality alone it will not be lasting when our pastor moves on attendance will drop off or when that pastor moves on the attendance will drop off we have tried to avoid that in our church and we have majored on building a strong bible-centered sunday school so that no matter who is in the pulpit at church will continue to prosper and grow i'm certainly glad we don't have to worry about the church being built on this preacher's personality so we would have some problems one of our three standards standard objectives here at the church at loveland is to to uniquely present and apply a trustworthy truth. And I believe that we are getting that accomplished through Sunday school. This objective happens often in Sunday school. It happens often in our small group discussions after the message is shared. So why is Sunday school important? I believe it adds to, it augments, it, it, it's a supplement to what we're trying to get accomplished at home. Some of you are teaching the Bible in your home, and, and I think that's amazing. The Word of God is honored there. But we want to help with that spiritual growth of the family. We want to help moms and dads know how to be better ones and to teach kids uh, what the Bible teaches and how to apply it to their lives. We want to help families with real life, everyday, everyday truths that they can take home and plug in to their world. Sunday school is about helping you know the Lord and serve Him to the fullest. Of course, we cannot escape the fact that many of our young people don't get spiritual training in their homes. There's three young ladies that are here this morning, I believe, in great part because of Sunday school and youth group. That small group that they were able to plug into because they had no help at home with God's word. In Sunday school and discussion groups, we learn that someone cares enough about us to tell us what it means and help us apply this trustworthy truth. Why is Sunday school important? Because it, ha- it adds to, it helps us uh, get, get accomplished what's already happening at home. And second, I believe that authentic relationships are built in Sunday school. 
oftentimes the people I know the best are the ones that either I went to Sunday school with or, or even as adults that have joined in in small groups and are bearing their hearts and sharing what it is that God's doing in their life. Many of the adults in this room, I remember going to the hospital when they were born. They're now adults and their, their kids are running around in the room today. They have grown up and attended Sunday school and youth group their entire lives. These are some of the most authentic relationships and they were built in Sunday school. In the past, we've done life groups and, and those kind of small groups and those have been extremely influential and beneficial for building relationships. The discussions even after our Sunday morning service. The kids go to class and the adults break up into small groups. Even there, these moments, we're allowed to be vulnerable. We're allowed to express our hearts with each other. These are vital moments in building relationships. I believe that Sunday school and small groups are where great ministry happens. I believe that people become the church when we participate in Sunday school. Sunday school is important. So, to wrap up today, I want to, or to wind down today, I want to, um, to have a few stories shared with you. And I'm sure each of you have a memory of Sunday school of some kind, or maybe a, a small group story that could be shared. And uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to share that. Um, but first I'm going to start, let's see, we got, we got a list here. Uh, John's got his little story he wants to share. Rhonda's got a story. And uh, Adam's got a story. And then we'll open up the mic for anybody else who wants to share a, a story about Sunday school. All right? So, John, we'll start with you. I'm going to get the mic set back up. Just share your story, and then uh, when you're done, we'll have Rhonda come up and, and then Adam. Oh, hold on a second. This. How tall are you? We got to go in height order so that they stay about the same height. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, growing up for me, uh, around 11 or 12, Sunday school and how church was done was actually very closely tied to the Boy Scout program. And so we were on a scouting uh, scouting trip, um, and it was not quite winter, but it was pretty cold out. So we stayed in a cabin, and it's a bunch of 11 and 12 year old boys. We just wanted to get in trouble, wanted to do whatever we could, and, and I remember, still not on? Am I just not close enough? There we go. Fine, we can hear you. Okay. So the, the scout leader, the teacher, he was tired, went to bed, said we all needed to go to bed too, but we kind of stayed in our sleeping bags for just long enough to where we knew he was asleep, and then we, we got up, and they had one of those... I don't know what you call it, the, the stoves, the ovens right in the middle to warm the cabin. And we were just messing with the fire and poking it and throwing sticks in. And then all of a sudden, we heard this voice say, stay away from the fire, you'll get burned. <laughs> and we ran back to our bed so quick and got in the sleeping bag. And the next day, the scoutmaster says he doesn't remember a thing about it says that it must have been a dream, but it was one of those things that actually stuck with us a long time. And there, there are spiritual implications, I think, even with the stay away from the fire, you know, when, 
when you're doing something you, you know you shouldn't be, there's a good chance you could get burned doing that. So that's my story. Thanks. As I walked, forgot, as I walked um, in here with my nice little notebook, it brought me back to walking the whole halls of junior high and high school. We didn't have fancy backpacks back then, so we carried our load of books. I brought this because it has my Sunday school lessons, and some of them are duplicates because some of them are my brothers. And if somebody browses through them, you will recognize that this is the same curriculum that Arlen and I snitched from to put ours together. <clears throat> My Sunday school teacher's name was Sister Slaughter. She was a spitfire, although she was probably about this tall. She loved to play the piano. And she was so short that she had to put um, songbooks on the piano bench so she could hot, get high enough to play the actual piano piece. <clears throat> now, these are quick stories, okay? Another story. Um, you are in the presence of one of my first Sunday school teachers, Miss Arla Pannon. <laughs> she was my fifth grade Sunday school teacher. She's probably more than that. And I had another paper, but I couldn't find it. And it's Lloyd talked about how the teachers do a whole bunch of different things. So this is one example teachers put together. The thing I remember from Arla's class, it was about the book of Acts. And she had made a picture of an axe. And so she said the Acts of the Apostles with parentheses around the X. And so, or the AX. And so I've remembered that forever and ever. And I still see the picture. And I know it's in my file cabinet someplace, but I couldn't find it. Now we're going to fast forward up through, and I'm going to tell some Heidi stories. <clears throat> uh, one story had to do with Cindy when she was still a Pope. She was her teacher, and Heidi came home, <clears throat> and she kept on saying, focus, focus on God. So that was the theme that Cindy had that day. I don't know what the lesson was, but you could probably apply that to every lesson you have in Sunday school. And so if there was something that we had to deal with, she would say, focus, focus on God. And she was like four, I mean, she was a little tiny. And she got that Sunday school lesson. So good job, Cindy. And then the last one, <clears throat> um, I believe it was Saglinda. We were over, uh, she had a classroom in the <clears throat> back building. And it was that tiny little classroom and the short little table. And she had preschoolers that day. She spread out that whole table with little penny candy all over that table. And those little preschoolers, they walked in, of course, their eyes got really, really big. She was teaching the lesson of temptation. They had to sit through that whole Sunday school lesson and could not touch anything on that table. Talk about temptation. And those are just some good examples of what teachers can do, and I really appreciate that. Well, congratulations, class of 2016. We made it. Um, we'll now play Time of Your Life by Green Day. <laughs> um, uh, Adam, why are you wearing your graduation gown? Because uh, this is all I have from high school. They don't let you letter in being awesome. So, 
So here we go. Um, I'm going to read something so that I don't wander and go off book like I'm doing now. Um, when I was in middle school class, we were moved to the sought-after class space of Gary's office. Um, there was also a special folding chair um, with a fold-out desk attachment that we would race into the room to get. Um, in doing so, I overzealously yanked up the prize chair, knocking off an eagle statue that Gary had perched on a shelf above where the chairs were kept. Um, I believe it was either Angela or Lissy who, as I was frantically picking up the pieces of the eagle from the ground, they popped their head into the room and informed me that we were not even having class in there that night. <laughs> but enough about that. Um, so Greg was one of our teachers during these years. And this was during the time where he was going to Bible college. He would bring us new things he learned in school from time to time. Um, whether he knew about it beforehand or not, I don't know, but I remember hearing a deep definition of the word ecclesia in class. I think the fact that uh, he was discovering new things and digging deeper in his school gave him an energy and an, and, and an excitement for learning about scripture that was contagious. He would, yes, tell us about cool new things that he learned, which I'm sure were many, uh, but he would also tell us about things that were presented that maybe he disagreed with. Um, he would even share the hugely important phrase with us, I don't know. If our, and so that, that got me, I think that ingrained in me, if our teacher didn't know things, or didn't always agree with his teachers, maybe we could ask questions. And maybe it was okay for learning and growth with God to be a process. And that it was okay not to know everything. And I think these lessons sunk in more subconsciously and became more obvious looking back. Um, as you can tell by my eagle has landed story, I wasn't always super thoughtful in my tweens. Um, yeah, I'm going to ruin my hat in honor of my failures. Um, but to borrow a quote from Jim Henson, kids don't remember what you try to teach them. They remember who you are. I may not remember the stories Greg told us, or be able to recall the verses we memorized. But I remember who he was. And he was a guy who loved God, loved learning, wasn't afraid to ask questions of even his own teachers, of himself and us, and a teacher who made us laugh on more than one occasion. Now Greg is just one example. And through my years here in the church, I've had many wonderful Sunday school teachers, and I'm very thankful for every single member of our church, past and present, who stepped into the more than often thankless task of sharing the story with me as I grew up. For all the times you may not have heard it before, please hear now how grateful we all are. And to borrow a quote from some guy named Paul, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I think that verse is in the back somewhere. I can't remember exactly, but I'll ask my Sunday school teacher. So. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Angela shared a story also, and um, she had to cruise out with a uh, sick kid. Uh, I don't even know if I could do it justice. It was something about a really mean Sunday school teacher that made all the kids do a certain thing, and, and Biebs showed up without that certain thing, and then he pulled something out of his pocket that was supposed to be that, but he said his batteries were dead or something like that, and so it was a, it was a big hilariousness. 
Um, but anyway, uh, so ask Angela about that story. Is there anybody else that has a story that you want to share about Sunday school? Something you learned, something that was shared with you, something that's a funny story. Any, any, anybody else want to share uh, a story? You want to just stand up right there? Or you can come on up. I didn't plan this, so this is... That's fine. That's like exactly what... Okay. So, I got to be the little kid in class with Lloyd, Greg, Johnny Haney, April, Roger, and June in Gary's office. And we used to have Bible reading assignments on a big sheet of paper, and we'd copy it so you get the smallest. Remember that? Little tiny... And I, run, I won a Ray Bolt CD. Because I, I was a little dorky 12-year-old that had nothing else to do. Remember that? Yeah, so that was a fun group. And uh, Tim B. Miller taught us a lot of classes on those yellow sheets. I found them one day. They stunk. So, yeah, there you go. That was a fun time. Who else? Who else? Brian, you want to tell us that way that story really went? Angela's got it written out here. Somebody just gave it to me, but I don't know, man. <laughs> not really that good at telling stories. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that anal teacher, you might have guessed, was Carla. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, was it youth group or Sunday school class? I don't remember. But uh, I guess that was one of the pioneers that had an electronic Bible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Went to class, had my electronic Bible, and I was asked to read the Bible uh, story or whatever. And uh, I opened it, and my battery's ran. And uh, let's just say I got a pretty good chewing having an electronic Bible. <laughs> well, it was just so funny because Carlos says, "Where's your Bible, Brian? It's out of batteries." <laughs> <laughs> glad you guys are being nice and not telling all the bad things I did. <laughs> um, I know there's a lot about the coke room and stuff that they, they weigh. But when I was in Sunday school, my teacher, the, the one I'm going to tell about this one, was his name was Ben Christensen. He's still alive today. So that speaks well. He's, you know, he managed to live. And there was a visitor that Sunday... And I don't know what verse we read, but I'm going to use one that's in Genesis 17. And if I had that app that tells how many times a certain word is used in the Bible, I could tell you, but I don't know how many times this word is used, but I know it's a lot. So I don't know which verse he had us read. And of course it was King James. Uh, Genesis 17:10. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between you and me and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. And the little boy asked the question, what does 
that word mean, Mr. Christensen? And of course, all of us that had grown up in the church, we knew what it meant, and that was one of those words you did not talk about. And so we were all hiding behind our 40-pound Bibles because we wanted to see what Mr. Christensen, Brother Christensen, was going to tell this young man about what this word meant. And he got so embarrassed. And he just completely turned every color red you could see. And he said, we'll talk about that later, young man. So. Who else? Anybody else want to share? <coughs> Brian, I ha I'll have you note that Mom's batteries did not go dead in her electronic bio. <laughs> Um, I don't know how many of you remember, but Arlo once was our teacher. It was what? probably, I know, right? Fourth or sixth grade, it was before I was officially in youth group. I hadn't been going to church long. But she did the, um, the Olympics. And so that was where the first time I'd heard any of, any of the, you know, 12 tribes of Israel, all those good basic facts, um, and then continuing to go over those throughout the years that have now become the famous tests that we can all take and most of us can still pass. Um, but the importance was it wasn't a lesson on the doctrine of this is what our church believes, but it was this is what the Bible is. We were expected to know it, to learn it, and to know that it was from God and it was the Bible. And you know what I know today is not because I was scholarly, but because I was taught to get into God's word not memorize what the church believes, but what the Bible teaches. This is a story, well, kind of about, it's, it's less of a story and more about who my teacher was. And, uh, his name was Ivor, and you would think he was an old guy, but he was uh, a young person. I would say young. He was in his 20s, he and his wife, and he was our high school and youth group, high school teacher and youth group leader. And he kind of broke the mold in the Lutheran church of what uh, a Sunday school teacher looked like. He had longer hair, wire rim glasses, uh, and he wore jeans and a denim shirt. And uh, in the mid-1970s, that just was not acceptable. But uh, he was the first person that ever talked about immersion as being part of baptism to me and to our group in Sunday school. And it wasn't what the Lutheran Church taught, but that was what he believed from his, he was a PK that grew up in a Lutheran Church, but he kind of, he didn't always follow the rules that uh, the church said he wasn't a person of tradition. And uh, I just appreciated him to no end. And 
uh, actually got in contact with him a, a few years ago when I found out that uh, I was at a seminar in Denver and the guy leading the seminar had a illustration with his name on it. It's like, is this Ivor Torgerson? Is this a, does this guy live in Omaha? How do you know this guy? And it was like, oh yeah, yeah, we're friends. We grew up together. And it's like, how can I get in touch with him? He was my Sunday school teacher. And uh, so it was kind of cool to, to be able to connect with him after, you know, about 25 years. But uh, just a special man uh, and kind of uh, opened your eyes that you don't have to be in a suit and a tie to worship God. Very good. Thank you all for sharing. I really appreciate it. I think it's awesome to be able to share those things in and um, talk about those stories. Next, I want to thank our teachers. And um, you all are doing a wonderful job. And um, today's a day of, of really just uh, thanking you. It's not a day to criticize. It's not a day to point out what you can do better. Um, it's really just a, a day to thank you. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to have Katie and, and Brittany come up and hand these gifts out um, as I call the names of teachers. And I don't know, I know most of you have been a teacher, and I think this list of teachers is like from the last year or the last couple of years, something like that. Okay, so 15 and, and current, okay. So, all right. First, um, the, it's taking care of the nursery and the babies in the nursery. Uh, obviously, mom, Arla Nichols, is doing that. And then we move on to preschool. And I think that uh, preschool and kindergarten and first grade, these teachers need a little extra um, something, something, because that's amazing to be able to take those little ones and um, do things with them. Um, it's pretty phenomenal what mom's gotten accomplished even, even with the little tiny ones. But um, anyway, here, so here's preschool. Um, Brittany Yarberry. Uh, Sarah Quist. Sarah Quest is already up here. 
Greg's the other one that stopped forking up. Teachers, I want to challenge you to continue to demonstrate your faith in your classes. Attempt big things for God. I know you're doing an amazing job, but your enthusiasm, the way you care, is the most powerful force that we have. Um, when your soul is on fire for God, it, it really transpires, it, tra it transfers down to the kids, and I really appreciate it. Have that energy for work. Don't substitute any, there's no substitute for that energy, that, that core drive that you have to teach the kids. Develop a skill to motivate. I love the way you guys motivate the kids and get them to think, uh, get them to, to learn the memory verses and do all the things that they do. Uh, I think that's amazing. And then obviously determine to stick it out. Have that backbone um, to you to make your class better this year than it's ever been before and um, stick it out. Have that dedication. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, you guys can have a seat. Thank you so much. One more. Okay. We have one more that's a very special teacher that isn't technically Sunday school. <laughs> so we all know who really, really has taken a huge part in children's ministry and her heart goes out to it every Wednesday diligently. Yeah. Robin has done all kids yeah. all at once yeah. forever. Yeah. Fantastic, huh? I know that there's many more that have had great, um, great impacts and have helped out and done uh, great things for our Sunday school and for the kiddos. And I think it's an amazing thing. Sunday school and small group discussions is, is where great ministry happens in this church. And I am so thankful for the teachers that we have and the dedication that they put in um, to this ministry. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is the first and greatest duty. You'll never be a parent or teacher who could nurture young people to a relationship with God without loving God first. And that's very apparent in this group of teachers and in this group of people. Then, love God's word. Honor it. Show it respect. And then the greatest task of all is passing that on to the young people. And uh, especially to your children. So thank you again uh, for, for joining in and uh, participating uh, this week. There's lots of great things to look at around the room. If, uh, if you had, didn't get a chance to write in someone's yearbook and you have a stupid, funny saying that you want to write, that you always wanted to write, um, there's a piece of paper over here that you can write that on. If you did not have a chance, there's uh, class hats, um, graduation caps up there. If you haven't had a chance, write the day, date, date in which you graduated and uh, your name and stick it up there with a, a tack so that we can see when everybody graduated. And then just kind of peruse around, look at the different um, yearbooks and different things. Most of the yearbooks are marked with a little sticky note um, with the pictures of the people that who are in it. And so if you have a chance to look around at that, um, please do that and enjoy. Kids, listen closely. Kiddos, listen closely. Make sure you tell your Sunday school teacher thank you today, all right? When you go to class, make sure you tell them thank you. So that's what we'll do next. We'll go to class. Kids will go to class. And then uh, adults will break up into small groups, um, into small group discussions and uh, while the kids are in Sunday school. And then we have school lunch fellowship dinner immediately following um, our 
our Sunday school time. And uh, that should be a fun time. And um, lots of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, lots of school pizza, lots of all kinds of school lunch type things. I, don't, I didn't see any, is anybody, did anybody do Sloppy Joe's? I really, oh, thank you. Yes. I'm so glad somebody did Sloppy Joe's. You can't have school lunch without Sloppy Joe. Very good. And then um, ministry team meetings start at 1 o'clock today. Uh, we have worship team meetings starting at 1, and then 1.30 is missions, and 2 o'clock is outreach. Uh, this coming Wednesday night at 7, Saturday night at 6 is youth group. And um, next Sunday is Mother's Day. And so uh, please be aware that the children will be running most of the service next Sunday. And so we're going to try to get that accomplished. The kids are going to take over the service and um, do that for us. All right. And uh, Carol wanted me to mention also that there's a T-shirt order form back there on the desk. If you have any questions about that, we are ordering new church T-shirts. So if you want to be a part of that, um, you can write your name down and ask Carol about it. There's all different options and all different great things that you can do there. All right. So that's what I've got so far for announcements. What other announcements have I missed? What else do I need to announce? On the t-shirt form, if 